there is a standard side game that many people play called a Nassau bet. Mm -hmm. It is a, a side wager on a game of golf over 18 holes. There's a wager on the front nine, a separate wager on the back nine, and then you add the both together in match play, and whoever wins the most holes wins the overall. So it's three separate bets. Right. And Craig and I used to play a dollar, dollar, dollar. And that's what we would call it on the first hole. He'd walk up or I'd walk up, look at each other, point each other and say, hey, dollar, 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 absolutely. Fast forward to June of 2018, the aha moment. I had software clients out golfing at the same time that Craig had financial clients out and we serendipitously wound up at the same restaurant. When he saw me and walked up and said, hey, we should have been able to play our dollar, dollar, dollar game on two different courses. And I snap answered him and said, man, I, I could build that. That's a mobile app, no problem. And I met a gentleman by the name of Peter Meng and he spent about a half hour showing me his tech. And all I said to him was, I said, what do you think about a virtual wallet in a mobile app with two guys playing golf, either on the same course or different courses? They play, the app does all the math, and then the app sends the money to the winner. And that's all I said to him. 24 hours later, he called me back. He wrote a business plan, a technical roadmap for me, a basic marketing plan, and voila, the company was started. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks so much for joining us, and please subscribe to the show so you hear about all of our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. So before we get started here, I wanted to thank one of our supporting partners, Golf Genius Software, for helping bring you this episode. Golf Genius Software powers tournament management of thousands of private clubs, public courses, resorts, and golf associations all over the world. So if you're a golf course operator who wants to do less work, have more fun, and generate more revenue, check them out online at golfgenius.com. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is entrepreneur Tom Naramore, who is the CEO of D3Golf.com. D3Golf is a mobile golf entertainment app for monetary side games, either at your local golf course or remotely with players around the country. So I'm not going to reveal too much there. I'm going to let Tom reveal that for us in this conversation. So to get us going here with that introduction, hey, Tom, thanks so much for joining us today, and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Colin, so excited to be here. I've listened to uh, almost all your uh, your podcasts. What a great show and just uh, reveling at the opportunity to get a chance to talk to you finally. Ah, well, I appreciate that, Tom. And, and you reached out to me a couple of weeks ago. Tom, we talked about this, that uh, I do get a lot of people wanting to be on the show now because we've got some traction and we love to tell great stories. And once you and I connected and you know what, Tom, your story is right in our wheelhouse here. So let's have a chat, not just about what D3 Golf is doing. That's exciting because we talk about skills-based gaming and sports betting and where that is going in professional sport and in golf and betting on yourself. And this just seems to be that perfect collision or coming together. So I'm excited to have this conversation with today in that golf entertainment space. So to get us started here, Tom, we always like to have a little icebreaker here. So and we always relate this to golf. So hey, why don't you tell us the first time you ever picked up a golf club, then after that, the greatest, most fun or magical golf moment you've had in your life? Wow, that's uh, those are great questions. And interestingly enough, they are on both sides of my life timeline. The first time I picked up a golf club, never had one in my hands. I finished school in the sixth grade, came home thinking I was going to have this 
awesome, no-holds-barred summer between my sixth grade and seventh grade year. And behind my back, my mother had signed me up for the golf junior league there at the local Muni course uh, in Sacramento, California. Four days a week, I had to ride my bicycle down to the Muni. Didn't know what I was getting into, but spent the entire summer, four days a week, in this sort of golf summer camp for kids. Now, I was a bit of a wild child, so it seemed to be that this was going to be the most boring thing in my life, and I couldn't believe I was being forced to do it. And it literally was one of those moments that changed my life. I was a contact sports kid. And man, this frustrating thing of golf, but met some great people, had a great manager of the junior club at the Muni Ansel Hoffman Golf Course. I'll throw them a shout out and was part of that junior club for that summer and and never looked back, played golf on and off recreationally, never was on the team in high school or college or anything like that. But that was really the first time I grabbed a golf club was between my sixth and seventh grade year. Wasn't particularly very good at it, but man, I caught the bug for the game back then. So like I said, played recreationally with friends up until uh, I got into the workforce after college and found out serendipitously that, boy, you play your cards right. There's some business to be had on the golf course as well. And Mm -hmm. uh, throughout my career working some of these larger dot-com companies, found myself being able to weave golf into my professional uh, life and do a bunch of business on the golf course. Um, and so there you go for the first time picking up a club, but the most amazing golf experience I ever had is tied in with D3 as well. On our board of directors for D3 is Nick O'Hearn, ex-PGA uh-huh. professional. Got a chance to go out to the PGA show back in uh, 2019. Nick at the time was living in Orlando at Isleworth Golf Course, yeah. uh, and he invited me out for a couple of rounds. And so I got to play with Nick side-by-side side at Isleworth, got to hear all the inside scoop about Tiger's life there and some of the other goings-on, uh, got to meet his buddy, Stuart Appleby, and some of the other homeowners in the place uh, in that private club. But play that golf course side-by-side side with a PGA Tour Pro was the absolute what's the word? Penultimate? Is that the right word? I think you nailed it. Just unbelievable experience. I got a little short game lesson from Nick. Helped me with some bunker play and some chipping, which has been nice. Anyway, those are the two stories that I hang on to and, and think about a lot. What I love about your favorite or most poignant positive golf moment has nothing to do about a shot. When I talk to people, it's like, oh, it's the hole in one, the one I almost had, or I shot this, my best score. It's always around the, a hole or, or the way they played or the way they performed. And I love that story because it had nothing to do. I don't know if you shot 69 or 99 that day. And it sounds like it doesn't really matter. What does matter is the experiences. And that's what we talk about so much here, especially getting new people into the game, making it welcoming for them, whether it's an on-course or off-course experience. I was going to hold off here getting into D3 and asking more about your background, what led up to the formation. But, you know, we're going to bounce around here a bit here because I think this is such a nice segue into what you're doing with D3. So can you talk about that as far as the aha moment? Because this is really about bringing experiences both on the course with your group and also in real time, remotely, virtually all over the country, which I find is exciting. So why don't you tell us about that, what your aha moment for D3 golf was, which I believe you first called dollar, dollar, dollar. So the D3 
comes from that. So why don't you tell us that, what the aha moment was for you, and it sounds like you launched in June 2018, so I guess you had the idea, obviously, a, a year or two before that, the formation. So tell us about that, what led up to this, where you saw the pain points and the opportunities for D3 Golf. Interestingly enough, Colin, the idea and the aha moment to the formation of the corporation was only a timeline of 48 hours. Wow. Um, yeah, pretty wild. So for 10 years... I have been playing golf with this same buddy of mine who absolutely uses the game of golf in his business. He's in the financial sector and he uses golf with his financial clients three times a week. And as he invites them out and he has space or people cancel, I get the invite. And me being a, an entrepreneur, I've, I've always been my own boss and, and had control of my schedule. I've just been able to wait in the wings. And so a couple times a week for over a decade now, Craig and I, Craig is the co-founder of D3 with me, have played golf all the time for a long, long time, a couple times a week. So I kept a money clip in my bag. There is a standard side game that many people play called a Nassau bet. Mm -hmm. It is a, a side wager on a game of golf over 18 holes. There's a wager on the front nine, a separate wager on the back nine, and then you add the both together in match play and whoever wins the most holes wins the overall. So it's three separate bets. Right. And Craig and I used to play a dollar, dollar, dollar. And that's what we would call it on the first hole. He'd walk up or I'd walk up, look at each other, point each other and say, hey, dollar, 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 absolutely. Or five, 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 two, 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 whatever it was. But it was mostly this dollar, dollar, dollar. And instead of giving the cash back and forth to each other every day, I, I grabbed a money clip one day and I took the winnings and put it in the money clip and put it in my bag. Well, interestingly enough, every year he does this big sponsored event down in Monterey in the Pebble Beach area. There's several courses. There's about 60 to 70 guys that go. And again, I got to be invited as a guest. And what happened over the years is I took that money clip that was in my bag with all of our combined winnings against each other. And I would buy really the nicest cigar and scotch that we could on the last night of that three night event for the, nice. so we would cheers each other with that wad of money. And the next day playing pebble, we would start the contest all over again for the next year with our dollar, dollar, dollar game. Fast forward to June of 2018, the aha moment. I had software clients out golfing at the same time that Craig had financial clients out, but we didn't realize that same day. And we serendipitously wound up at the same restaurant. And Craig walked through the door of the restaurant when he saw me and walked up and said, hey, we should have been able to play our dollar, dollar, dollar game on two different courses. And I snap answered him and said, man, I, I could build that. That's a mobile app. No problem. I was kidding at the time. Without going into the entire story, I was set up to take a look at some other software these other friends of mine were working on. And I met a gentleman by the name of Peter Meng, who is now the director of innovations for D3. And he spent about a half hour sort of showing me his tech, had nothing to do with what we were talking about. And all I said to him was, I said, hey, I said, well, what you're working on sounds pretty cool, but what do you think about a virtual wallet in a mobile app with two guys playing golf, either on the same course or different courses? They play, the app does all the math, and then the app sends the money to the winner. And that's all I said to him. 24 hours later, he called me back. He was going to fly back to Denver, but asked to see me. He wrote a business plan, a technical roadmap for me, a basic marketing plan, and voila, the company was started. Dang, that's the type of partner you want. I know with co-founders, I have so many entrepreneurs struggling to find whether it's someone that can look after product, whether it's marketing, whether it's the financial side. That sounds like a dream team wrapped up into one there. You're a lucky man. You know, you, and he turned you know, that around so quickly. Oh, uh, Colin, you know, people say, what's the old joke? I'd rather be lucky than good, right? 
Mm. I don't actually say that. I count on it. Right. The people that I've run across that are part of my community that I can call on for a myriad of things is really what I've hung my hat to success on over these last 30 years in the professional world. I've gotten hardly anywhere on my own. It's the people that I've met, the people that I've talked to, being open to build that community really has been the, the secret to my success in business for sure. Yeah, that is such a positive, necessary trait to have as an entrepreneur. And I can already sense, Tom, you've got a lot of the positive traits that you need to have as an entrepreneur, whether it's resilience and curiosity, but also a bit of humility too, to realize what's the, the saying go is, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I got to find another room, right? <laughs> that's and, so true. Uh, that's the case here. You have to surround yourself with amazing people and engage them and empower them and realize that, you know what, I, I don't have the answer to everything. I've got gaps. I've got questions and I need to let these people get involved and admit that, hey, I don't have all this figured out. So I'm very curious. Now I'm going to bounce around a little bit here. So you said he also developed the business plan. So before we get into all the good things, what you're offering as far as the benefits and the features and the service offering for D3 Golf, we'll get into that. But let's talk about that. As far as that business plan, as far as that business model canvas, we talk about that on the podcast quite a bit. On our YouTube videos, I put that up there so people can understand that. If they're thinking about entrepreneurship and they have this idea, as Tom, as we know, one of the worst things you want to have happen as a passionate entrepreneur that comes up with an idea that you think is the next big thing is create a solution to something that's looking for a problem and you don't know how to monetize this. So talk about this. Right when you got started, rather than getting all excited and then to build, 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 build all these things and keep building and creating, sounds like you were very strategic and very disciplined and looked at the business model and the business plan. So tell us where you saw the opportunities, how this could scale and the size of the market and where you saw the ability to monetize this price points. So to see that there's, there's a real business here rather than this is something, yeah, we can create. And for our customer acquisition, it's $10 per customer and we make $3 off of each one of them. And guess what? That's not a very good business model. So I'll pull back here. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? How you, before you really launched, you managed to verify that there was a real business here that could scale. Yeah, a great question. So you used a comment uh, a few minutes ago, whether it was the perfect collision or perfect storm or perfect convergence. This isn't my first rodeo trying to get a venture going. Had a couple of others that were similar to this. But the first thing I want to tell you is I played poker online for about 10 years mm. hard. And not just so much that I was any good at poker, but I've always been fascinated with software. From an operator's perspective, I can't code, I can't read code. However, for some reason in my mind's eye, I'm focused and look at what something feels like, what its experience is, and what are the pieces and parts that go together to build that experience for someone who's operating that software or that mobile app. I don't know why, right. but that stuff has always fascinated me. It's something that I've always been interested in, maybe because it was something that I could do innately. I didn't have to be trained as a software developer. So a few years back, I had this crazy idea to try to build a simulator for trading stocks, but make it like you're sitting down at a poker table. We called it Trade Stars and worked on that for a couple of years. And it crashed and burned with some of the SEC stuff that came on way back. But I guess it's one of my greatest claims of fame. I got a cease and desist from the SEC. Oh boy. Well <laughs> right? done. Yeah, right. Honor, so, so, so we were knew we were onto something good if somebody like that didn't want us to have it. 
but we weren't the only ones in that field that were doing the same. There's about six companies, five of them in New York and me out in here in California that got the letter the same week. But long story short, when this first vision or aha moment happened, the first thing that snapped into my head was the same business model of DraftKings converged with poker stars. Mm. Right. And the very first innovation that we were talking about, which I mentioned earlier, was playing a money game against your buddy on two different courses. So we actually have invented this notion of remote play. I worked with the USGA to get their approval on their algorithm that they use to issue a course handicap to a player on the same course, but on a different tee box in a single tournament. I don't know if that goes over the heads of folks who are listening, but when you play a golf tournament and you have a golf index, what they want to do or what they're required to do so that if it's an indexed tournament, if I'm a 12 handicap player and you're a 10, you give me two shots, extra shots, right? So that we're equal in playing that. Well, all of that is derived from this math algorithm based on the slope rating or the difficulty of the course you're playing from the tee box you're playing. Right. So first and foremost, the removing of time and location from the equation of the experience of playing against your buddy was the immediate innovation that I knew wasn't there. How many Mm -hmm. times have you been asked to golf with your buddies, but you've got a meeting or a business or family that's in the way, right? And you miss out on that foursome with your buddies and they go off and play and it's gone. It's history. Well, what we saw was the ability to elongate that and put a timeline of our choosing. And so right now with our app, our users can throw a challenge to their buddy and they can play two weeks apart on two different courses in the US. Oh, so it's not real. It doesn't have to be real time then. No, not at all. All right. Not at all. And so this whole essence, this wasn't in the original business plan, but it's come into view now, is this essence of these, what we're calling micro communities. It's these groups of men and women that are connected somehow, school, fraternity, sports, neighborhoods, right? But they've been displaced over time and we now see them coming back together through this app. Regardless if they're playing for 25 cents or a dollar or whatever, that's the fun part of it. But we're seeing these reconnections of friends and family, which has been one of the true essence of what we were trying to innovate with. The golf side game has been out there forever. There's lots of apps that do the scoring for you, but we wanted to add this extra element and really tie these communities together. And we're seeing that happen. So it's really been exciting to watch. See, what I love about this is you've managed, as you've already touched on this, Tom, is, is pull together these other elements that people love, that resonate, whether it's esports, whether it's playing mobile games, like golf games that I play probably way too much, waste too much time, whether it's Golf Rival or Golf Clash, where you're playing basically with your fingers and your thumbs, but you're playing with someone around the world and you're not playing for any money. You're playing for coins and for status and winning tournaments. And it's a bit of that dopamine drip too. You win, may only win a couple of bucks or win nothing, but status thing, it feels good. So it doesn't mean anything, but at the same time, it means a lot, especially when you're playing with friends because then you've got bragging rights. And I've seen a lot of other apps. We've had quite a few of them on the podcast over the last five years that are trying to create community, whether it's one like golf match that we had back on, gosh, back in 2017. And it's really about being able to then find people to play golf with. And that's essential. It's great that they're doing that. But I love this extra ingredient that you've gamified this and able to do this and able to scale that, that it is remote and it is virtual. So with that, I'm going to bring this back because I, I didn't quite get the complete answer out of your great stuff 
nothing you just told us there, but I want to bring this back again to something as simple as this. How does D3 make money on a single transaction? Do you have sponsorship as far as paid ads on the app? Why don't you tell us that? Is it part B2B? Do people get a premium experience, but it's premium, or do you get a small cut on the bet? Tell us about that. So how does D3 make money? Good question. So our business model is really three tried and true business models layered on top of each other. The first is poker stars or DraftKings. There is a player pool. So when you sign up for those apps, just like the D3 app, you'll have your own virtual wallet. You will put $10 in your wallet or $20 or 50, whatever you want into your wallet. It is your money always in our app. You can cash it out, bring it back out if you want at any time. But first and foremost, just like DraftKings, who has, I don't know how many millions in their player bank, but there is a source of revenue off of that money. There are some regulations, what they do with those millions of dollars as far as how they can make money in simple interest or other ways. But there's one profit center, right? The player bank in and of itself. Even though DraftKings nor us do we charge a fee to deposit money into your account. Never a fee to do that. The one thing I do also want to say is I made a conscious decision up front. I cannot stand in-app ads. Hate them. Mm. I go south. I, I will not. I just It's one of my pet peeves. Our app will not have in-app ads. You are not going to be interrupted. You're not going to have to wait. You're not going to have to earn or purchase a premium to not have ads. We will not have ads. Now, we do have a full e-commerce platform in our app as well. We call it our offers section. We have partnered with one of the largest instant gift card companies. So people can use their winnings or whatever's in their wallet balance, and they can purchase an instant Visa gift card, use that gift card in any 19th hole that they're at, any wherever Visa is taken. So think of it this way. You and I go play with some buddies and we're playing locally, same course, that you win the match that day. And let's say you win $20 from the four of us, right? instantaneously from your app, you can use those winnings at that bar restaurant, 19th hole at that golf course and buy us each a a soda, right? Or whatever libation of of our choice, if you will, or chip in for lunch or what have you. So we want to make the money, the winnings and all of this consumable and usable with all of our players anywhere they are. So we've taken the steps to be able to do that. So there's a whole nother profit center in there, right? Think Amazon, but instantaneously. It comes as a text message into your mobile device and you can use those gift cards however you wish, whether it's Subway, Callaway, the Visa gift card. We've got about 300 brands within the app. We've got the wallet. We've got our e-commerce platform, but yes, from the wagers, just like DraftKings, the winner pays a game admin fee. We charge a 5%. However, if you choose to purchase a premium subscription, we haven't settled on the price, but it's going to be five, six bucks a month. You will have no game admin fee. Gotcha. Also get entered into premium tournaments. And one of the things, Colin, that I want to say was one of our first really big goals. We want to throw the largest golf tournament in the world every month. Okay. Yes, we're only in the US right now, but I'm working on Australia, Canada, and the UK right now. They are banging on me to get this thing opened internationally. So we're working very hard with our legal team uh, right now to open those new uh, countries up so that you can play people from all over the world. We currently already have all 43,000 plus golf courses loaded within the app. We've got location services on, so we've geofenced out those countries that aren't live within the system. So right now it only works US-wide. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think as you know, I'm here in Vancouver, Canada, north of Seattle, so I can't play yet, so I haven't had a chance to download your app and kick the tires yet because you're not quite there yet. But hopefully soon, soon after this podcast episode's been released, hopefully Canada will be uh, able to play also. So I love this also because now I'm part of a weekend men's group that I've been part of for a couple of years now, and they've been at it for years and years, and we have match play tournaments and that go on over the winter. I'm playing right through the winter this time because in Vancouver it rains rather than snows all winter. We play right through and exactly the same thing. I never knew even what a Nassau was before. I never played in one and played in match play. I was always, people have heard of the podcast before with my golf journey now as a 14, 15 handicapper and getting better going in the right direction. But I was playing like five, six times a year, never practicing, never breaking 90 and then got more intentional and actually found a community around that. So I love this, the fact that I've been looking for a community and I grew up in Toronto. So I got lots of friends back East that I would love to play that I don't see. So an app like yours with D3 Golf to actually put a little money on the line, a little bit of bragging afterwards, a little bit of trash talk. And it's fun able to do that and just kind of putting a couple of dollars out there. Exactly right. Yeah. My favorite uncle, I play against him every week. We have at least one game. I'm in California and he's in Georgia. He's 75 years old. He's a 15 handicap. I'm 55 and I'm a seven handicap and he usually beats me every week. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what I want to ask you a couple of things here, because we got a lot of people that are considering entrepreneurship, they have ideas and they kind of get stuck or intimidated because as we know, entrepreneurship is daunting and it takes a lot of courage to take that first step. And the fact you put it out there that, Hey, you've had some screw ups, things that haven't worked and I'm the same way. I probably learned more from the things that haven't worked or the things we did wrong back in the day and didn't make that same mistake twice. And that's a lot us to then move forward. It seems counterintuitive, but I know that a lot of Silicon Valley investors will say, I'd rather invest in founders that have failed at least once. And now they're doing this next thing rather than this is your first rodeo because you've got that experience and you've got some resilience and you've learned some lessons. When I first heard that, it's like, really? You'd rather actually have someone that failed? But we don't look at entrepreneurship as failure, right? It's a learning opportunity and then you move on from there. So I wanted to ask about this. Talk about whether it's investors, whether it's on Shark Tank or whatever. It's like, how big is your market? And the other thing is like, what type of intellectual property IP do you have for barrier to entry? So what do you have with D3 Golf? Why couldn't someone else come in and copy this without revealing too much? What's your secret sauce that gives you that barrier to entry so that you can move fast and hopefully get the majority of the market here? Yeah, another great question. So first and foremost, what I've learned over my career, nothing is 100% protected. And on the other side of it, and I, I talk about this all the time, is competition gives you validation, right? Absolutely. When you look at DraftKings and you look at FanDuel, they do the same darn thing. Their colors are just different, right? I mean, right. They're, they're virtually the same business. They're each valued at over a billion dollars, I believe, or multiple billions. They're in the same business, right? They just have two different customer bases. Uber um, and Lyft and in the still, same way too, right? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> to date, we still haven't found anything that's doing exactly what we've done our big kicker is we are approved by Apple and Google in the banking industry to have our internal wallet. No other app has that. We send the winnings to the winner and the, the legality kicker is across state lines. How do you get the compliance to do that? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into that. We did something unique there. It is part of our IP, but it took me 19 months to get it. 
the two toughest regulators to get them to understand, which took the longest, was Apple and Google. The federal compliance was easy. It was filling out the papers, having the meetings, them understanding the barriers that we knew were there and how we needed to operate. They were the first to give us the okay. Banking industry was second to fall, but Google and Apple took forever because we did something completely new, right? Google and Apple in 2019 had a little questionnaire. Are you a casino? No. Are you an online casino? No. Oh, then you're a fantasy sports operator. No, we're not. <laughs> well, you have to be. Those are the only things. No, we aren't. This is what we're, and I had to go round and round and round and round with them, meeting after meeting after meeting, at getting declined. And finally, for some reason, we got somebody on the other side of the screen that said, hey, let me send this off to our attorneys. And wow, we got a meeting and they went, oh, that's what you're, oh, sure. And literally 24 <laughs> hours. Bang, we were approved and had distribution, Apple and Google Play stores US-wide. So, wow. and never look back. We're on Gen 2 now, our Generation 2, which is part of our growth story. Colin, one of the things that I learned in my career with software, your first iteration is wrong. So yeah. keep your blooming mouth shut. Don't market, tap a few people and figure out what you don't know, figure out, right? So that's what we did for our first entire year in operation in all of 2020. We released Gen 1. I tapped 30 guys. It grew to over a thousand just organically across the country. And we surveyed and we watched and we called and emailed and what do you like and dislike. And that's where our Gen 2 came from. Got it, got it. So I like what you just mentioned there in year one, what you did there, what we call product market fit, rather than keeping this thing to yourself or just to your a couple of friends and convincing yourself that this thing is beautiful and is perfect and you don't want to put it out there. You did put it out there, but you put it out there in a very strategic way. Then you got that feedback and asked for, you know, what works, what doesn't, what do you like, what doesn't. And then when you see the traction and if it starts to scale itself, then you know you're onto something there. So continually testing this idea of, we call it iterative design, part of design thinking, always experimenting, seeing what works, what doesn't, a little less of this, a little more than that, get rid of that thing, try this new piece one at a time so you know the variable that's actually then making a difference or not. And once, as they say, I didn't invent this one, I heard it a couple months ago with an entrepreneur on, is saying, first, you nail it, and then you scale it. And it sounds like with your Gen 2 <laughs> that you're now ready to scale it, which I love. So with that, and I noticed here, I'm just looking at your website at the same time. So now you've got these celebrity challenges that you can actually then challenge a celebrity or a pro. Because that sounds really fun and exciting. Can you tell us how that would work? Well, there's two concepts here that are near and dear to my heart. Number one is growing this game and exposing children, females, males, doesn't matter, old, young, new to the game. Being around golf as I have for so long and being a fan of the professional game and now coming to this understanding of what physically these people are capable of doing is inhuman, mm. how far they hit the ball, how accurate they are, what they can do with short game and being a bit of a narcissist, I can't stand being herded, if you will, with being behind the ropes is the concept I'm talking about. Right, right. And one of the things that came to us immediately with our foundation of this remote play was this one-to-many challenge. And this concept of giving someone like me an experience of playing inside the ropes with another layer, all for charity and growing the game. As you know, or may not know, the listeners may not know, the PGA Tour donates more money to charity than any professional sports organization that I know of out there. It's enormous what they do for the communities that these golf mm -hmm. tournaments are at and beyond. It's amazing. 
So we wanted to incorporate some of that into this business such that, yes, we can tap a celebrity, be them a good golfer or not a good golfer, and allow them to, through the app, throw out a challenge through our app, as well as all of their social media. People can sign up for the app for free. The app gives them in this challenge some free game tokens to play with. If they win those tokens, they get to keep that money and cash it out if they want. If they lose, the money goes into a charity wallet for that celebrity and the celebrity gets to donate it to the charity of their choosing. That's all pre-worked out before. But on top of that, we have sponsors that come in and pick up and gain the title sponsorship to those events. We just completed our first with Hannah Gregg. Hannah's on the mini tour. She played the PXG, I believe it was a PXG match play event out in Florida. She took one of her practice rounds, threw the challenge out. We had 148 people across the country do that challenge. I don't know if that's a lot. I don't know if that's a little, but it was our first one and it was more than that. I call that a win. The system worked well. People had a great time. Two of the people that played against her that actually won the $3, but it was a dollar, dollar, dollar Nassau. Two of the men that actually beat her for the $3 wrote personal checks for 250 bucks to the charity. Hey, I think a little goes a long way if we do a lot of it over time. And that's the concept of this. So could we have, if we make the right contacts, hopefully he's listening, Charles Barkley or someone of that nature that we could do a celebrity challenge event with, boy, wouldn't that be fun to be able to play against Charles at some point? And so that's the concept of it, raising money for charity along the way, exposing people of all levels of expertise with golf, be it a single digit handicap or a plus handicap, up to that bogey or worse golfer, man, everybody has a fun time. You've got the ability to win a little dough, cool, but at the end, the charity wins. I love the fact you're layering in that social impact piece there with the charitable platform. And I also love as you're experimenting with the business model and and taking elements from other sports, from other industries, things that work, whether you talked about whether it's FanDuel or DraftKings and the things that work there. And and then having said you had 150 or so people for the first one with Hannah and who knows how big that can get. But the fact that's something that concurrently can then scale into like an infinite number of people. You could have hundreds of thousands, if not even more people participating in this, which pulls elements in a slightly different way with the Topgolf model of why they're so successful because each one Topgolf has 100 bays, six people per base. They got 600 people at the same time at each location hitting golf balls out into targets while they're eating burgers and drinking beers and doing that rather than the on-course experience that we know, which is like a, a tube of toothpaste. You can only squeeze through four people every 10 minutes. You can't then triple or quadruple that throughput number. So I love that aspect also that you're creating these different experiences over different time frames and having them time sensitive and heightened experiences also. So I did want to talk about experiences a little bit more, but I'm going to hold off on that, Tom, because I think if we talk about that on our video conversation that then we'll put on the Mod Golf YouTube channel, I'm able to layer in a lot of imagery from your website and from the app so people then can not only hear your voice talking about it, they can actually see what it is that you're doing there. So why don't we hold off on that along with some other things? The last question I did want to ask you here, and maybe this is just the way my brain works sometimes, even though I'm a positive guy, I always like to think the best of humans, but just as far as preventing fraud or someone fudging their actual round. Now, you did mention that your handicap gets pulled in from your USGA, or in my case here with Golf Canada, my handicap, so I can't pretend I'm a 14.2 right now. So I can't then go, oh, I'm a 21.6, right? I won't can't lie about that. But how do you defend about someone playing their round of golf remotely 
they take a triple bogey, but they actually write down that they had a birdie. How do you prevent those type of things? Great question. And it's actually the number one question I get in all of my pitches and whatnot for fundraising and to other strategic partnerships that we've been able to obtain. So cheating is what you're talking about, right? The first time it came up in a formal setting is when I was meeting with the handicap folks that are in charge of the USGA handicapping and talking about that algorithm I was telling you about where people play on two different tee boxes and using mm-hmm. their algorithm to create that course handicap for that player, but on a different tee box. And the question I asked her at the time was, hey, can't I use that same algorithm when people are on two different courses? Long pause. I could hear her smiling in the background. Yeah. And she said, actually, yes, that'll work. And I said, awesome. She said, what are you doing? So I explained to her the the concept of what we wanted to do with the app. And she was like, holy cow. She said, I got to ask you one more question. I said, sure. And she says, are you going to calculate a D3 index for your players? An index that's specific to the challenges that they play. It's not a postable, a publishable in the USGA, right? But it's a calculation of the index for the challenges that you've played against your buddies. And I said, yes, we are. And she paused again and she says, holy cow, you guys might have a more accurate index than us. And I said, it's interesting you could say that because I was thinking the same thing, but I want to hear it from you. Explain Mm. to me why. And she said, well, all of your games are for money, right? And I said, yep. And she says, interestingly enough, only a portion of ours have a prize at the end. So we get all of our fudging at the USGA takes place outside of the tournaments that mean something. So that when people come to the tournaments that mean something, and I'm talking a small portion of, right? But you want to talk about cheating, then we're going to talk about the cheaters. Those folks that fudge their index so that they have a higher index going into Mm -hmm. a tournament and have a better shot to get more strokes and they have an advantage over the field, that's how it's done at the USGA level or the amateur level to those tournaments that are indexed. But since we calculate an index for all our players on the player's dashboard, they have the index that they say they are, and it's editable. Anybody can tell anybody whatever index they want. And so there's two parts to this answer, Colin. So underneath the handicap the player says they are, after your third challenge is complete, we auto-populate what your index actually is based over those first three rounds. We use the same mathematical equation that the World Handicap Organization uses. It's your eight best rounds over the trailing last 20. And so we're populating that and the player can't change that. If you see a big variance between the two, whether it's your best buddy or not, probably have a conversation with that person and say, hey, how come there's a big disparity here? So we've built in where friends are playing friend. We didn't build it in. It's just formed that way. All of the players that are playing against each other week in and week out that we see in our system, they know each other. They're creating that wager between them. We're using smart contracts in the software to actually make a binding agreement between the two. And they agree at the end that the scores are correct and whoever wins the wager wins the wager and the money. It's the the contract between the two. So we're not seeing a whole lot of friends trying to game friends. And oh, by the way, if you do cheat and you give yourself a less score, your D3 index is going to go down. That's true. And keep going down. You're just messing yourself up in long term. (laughs) Now, one last point I want to make, Colin, we want to have that same DraftKings experience as well. Like I said before, we want to throw the largest golf tournament in the world every month to whereby you can enter for $10 to having the chance to win $10,000 or more with golfers from all over. But like I said, I played poker for a long time online. There are qualifiers. So there are these open tournaments. I have to have so many rounds in before you can qualify for the next tournament or this upcoming. So there's going to be this whole process of sort of weeding out those folks that 
that are trying to game the system. It's fairly easy to see. So if somebody wants to play that game over time, it's going to be readily obvious who's gaming the system. Got it. Got it. Because I I play with some guys, names not to be mentioned here, but on my weekend men's group. And one guy I play with, he's a nine handicap and he shoots the round of his life the other day. And I think he came in like he was one of shot 73 and he was grumpy. All my handicap's going to go up. It's like, dude, you just shot the best round of your life. Let's go have a drink. Right. And he was conflicted because he was worried about his handicap going up. It's like, really? You want to get better. Yeah. You don't want it to go up. Yeah, that's, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's why they give you an average too, because possibly in the next couple of rounds, he might not have such a great game. <laughs> um, absolutely. Absolutely. So as we finish up here, I just just wanted to touch on one last thing here with being able to fudge your own scores. I know when I play in these matches now and some guys, and we're grinding each other too, making you putt everything out. Sure. Maybe you'll give a guy a one or two footer. Sometimes you don't to kind of get in their head or you'll give them a three footer. How do you guarantee that someone isn't giving themselves every six footer when they're playing remotely do you actually have one of their playing partners have to sign in a test that over time that will all even out you look at the better side of human nature if that's the way it's going to work it was a giant worry up front colin and it is not a worry at all anymore we've been watching the heuristics and the statistics with the folks that are playing each other there's this trust level on this remote play people are sending remote challenges and accepting remote challenges from people they know and trust very well it's governing itself. People just aren't throwing a challenge to a friend or an unknown person to have a remote challenge with. They're just not doing it. Now, we're in our infancy. And one of the things that we want to add into the system is, let's say you're taking a trip to Chicago on business. You're going to be able to look at the folks in Chicago, find somebody maybe of like mind and of skill, and put a game together where you can go play and make a new contact if possible and play locally. That may turn into a remote game, but we haven't seen any, not unknown, what's the word I'm looking for, for people that don't know each other to have a remote challenge. It's friends wagering against friends. And so well, the it's- The anonymous challenge isn't happening yet. No, not at all. Gotcha. Not at okay. all. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, well, I'll stop grinding you on that. You uh, you did very well there. You answered all that to my liking. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. So, hey, I do, do want to jump over to our, our YouTube channel here. So why don't we finish up here? But before I let you go here, Tom, why don't you let our listeners know where they can download the app, learn more about D3 Golf on social and everything else. Tell us how they can connect. Outstanding. Call it super easy. Our website is the letter D, D, the number three, golf.com, d3golf.com. At the top of that website, you'll see the direct links to both Apple and Google Play stores and app stores right there. Trying to find us within the app stores is a bit tough. The search engine optimization for the app stores isn't the greatest thing in the world. So trying to find through keywords and whatnot can be a little tough. So just simply go to our website, d3golf.com. Our social media is D3 Golf app. So the at sign D3 Golf app on all the the major channels. You can find us there, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And yeah, so give us a shout. You do get $3 free when you sign up to play your first match against your buddy for free. It's free to sign up. Takes just a minute. Give us a whirl and shoot us a note at support or info at D3golf.com. Love to hear what people have to say about it. Love the feedback. Good stuff, good stuff. As I always do in the show notes and also on your bio page that I'll put together here for you, Tom, I will include all those links so it's nice and easy for our listeners to find all that information that you were sharing with us just now. Awesome. So, hey, why don't we leave it at that? So, Tom Maraborn, CEO at D3Golf.com. I love this conversation. Thanks for sharing your entrepreneurial journey. I, I want to talk more about your backstory and maybe about the future of where you think things go. So, we're going to do the, the 
past, we're going to do the future, all those things on our YouTube conversation. Hey, thanks for joining me, Tom, today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Colin, I can't thank you enough. It's been a pleasure. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.